This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, host Tina Dakin-Luke interviews inspiring women on This Is Who We Are. Tina Dakem-Luke, and this is Who We Are. Today, I'm lucky enough to have remotely in the studio with me Sia Papagiorgio, and she's Managing Partner at the Centre for Strategic Communication Excellence. She's a multi-award winning communication leader on a mission to elevate the value and visibility of communication professionals and help them become trusted, strategic and in-demand advisors. Sia is opinionated about what our profession can achieve and believes communication professionals have the best job in the world. She's a certified strategic communication management professional, a fellow of the Royal Society for the Encouragement of Arts, Manufacturers and Commerce, and past president of the Victorian chapter of the International Association of Business Communicators also known as IABC. She's also a past board director at IABC Asia-Pacific and is immediate past chair of the Global Communication Certification Council. In 2021, IABC Asia-Pacific named SEA Communicator of the Year and in 2022, she was awarded the prestigious IABC Ray Hamlin Award in recognition of her exemplary service in advocating the global standard of the communication profession and evangelising the power and possibility of communication. So grab a drink, get comfy, and I'll introduce her after this song.
So see ya, Papa Giorgio. So lovely to chat with you this morning. And I agree. Girls, run the world, girls. Beyonce, great choice of song. <laughs> Let me know why you chose it. Oh, thanks, Tina. Um, great to be here, first of all. I love this song. Um, a, it's a it's a really uplifting and powerful song, but I love it because it's a song about the empowerment of women and respecting women's power, their drive, their intelligence, how women can do and be whatever they want to be and achieve greatness. Um, and I really do think that that girls run the world and, and empowering women to achieve their full potential is something I'm very, very passionate about. Love it. I used to joke with my friends, especially those who went out back into the business world before the rest of us as we were raising children, that behind every good woman was another good woman. And I still stand by that today. I think um, communicating together, there's strength when we get together, we're honest, and uh, we bring such a different creativity and vibrancy into the workforce. Can't be underrated. I couldn't agree more, and I, I'm 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 a sucker for a good quote, Tina, and I love that <laughs> quote that says, uh, "When women support other women, uh, amazing things happen." And love, I just think that's yeah, so true. Love that too. Now, I understand that you were up to uh, some interesting things last year, especially around a research report. Could you let the audience know what that was about? Absolutely. So uh, I'm a bit of a research nerd. Um, I love uh, conducting research. And uh, last year or late, sorry, late in 2021, to coincide with uh, World Mental Health Day, uh, I launched a global study to investigate the state of mental well-being in the communication profession. So I do a lot a lot of work in, in my profession. Um, and that really came about because even before the pandemic, I noticed I was having a lot more conversations with my peers, with my colleagues and clients even around mental well-being. We talk about things like burnout, um, fatigue, workloads, uh, lack of time and our collective frustrations. And then as the pandemic began to unfold in 2020, I met an amazing mental well-being consultant and mental health first aid instructor. Her name is Julie Gillespie, and I love to collaborate with really smart women. Uh, and together we produced a free resource uh, that we produced for communication professionals and business leaders to help them take a leadership role in helping their organisations cope with mental health and well-being issues. Um Later that year, I hosted a virtual discussion about uh, the mental health challenges that communication professionals were facing during the heart of the pandemic, because as you can imagine, our workloads increased significantly during that time. Uh, And I invited experts to come and talk to us about how to manage stress, anxiety, how to avoid burnout, how to create a safe working space, something a bit like group therapy, actually. And I walked away with some really valuable self-care strategies, but I also walked away thinking, why aren't we talking more about mental well-being and what it's doing to communication professionals? And you know what? You can probably substitute communication professionals for any type of professional working in an organisation. But during this um, session, it was really two comments made by colleagues of mine that forced me to, to sort of sit up and take notice. As we were discussing workloads, one of my colleagues said, hard work is valued in our profession and worn like a medal. And, and that is absolutely true. And straight after, another colleague said, yes, but we need to remember how to be human. And so these comments really hit me. And I and I made up my mind then and there, I have to look into this issue. I need to, I, I want to check in on the state of mental well-being in the communication profession. So we launched this global survey uh, and we had a fantastic response, Tina. We had almost 800 communication professionals from 40 countries around the world participate in the study. 
Uh, as part of the study, I also interviewed seven communication leaders from around the world to find out what they were doing in their organisations, how they were supporting um, their people uh, with mental wellbeing, uh, and particularly their communication professionals. So it was a very, very interesting study. It does sound interesting. What would be the key takeaways or something that perhaps was unexpected in your findings? Look, on one level, I don't think anything was unexpected because I'd already started to have those conversations, but some really interesting results. Uh, Communication professionals told us that they are stressed, they're anxious, and they're frustrated. So the study was called, So How Do You Really Feel? Mm. And it's the global report is available free to download. Um, And one of the first questions we asked people were, Tell us how you're feeling right now. What words would you use to describe how you're feeling? So those three words came out the strongest, stressed, anxious, and frustrated. Probably one of the most concerning results that came out of the study was that almost half of communication professionals that participated said they'd considered leaving our profession for the sake of their mental well-being, which is a huge wake-up call for us. Absolutely. Yeah, two thirds said their mental well-being has declined since the beginning. Had declined since the beginning of the pandemic, which was obviously no surprise. Uh, less than half said that they were feeling optimistic about their mental well-being last year. Um, when it comes to organisations and support they get at work, this is what I found really interesting too. Almost three quarters believe their organisations should do more to support mental wellbeing in the workplace. And we asked respondents to tell us what their organisation does now versus what they actually want. And there's a huge gap. The majority said that their organisation, one of the key things they do is have an employee assistance program, which is not unusual in organisations. But what they actually wanted was in something entirely different. They wanted more time off to deal with their mental well-being. They wanted more mental well-being initiatives um, and they wanted more support and resources. So, you know, polar opposites. One in 10 organisations are seen to offer no mental well-being support to their employees. And this is what saddened me the most, that leaders are not playing a strong enough role when it comes to supporting people's mental well-being. Only 55% of managers are seen to be actively asking their team members how they're going, how they're feeling and checking in on them. And even less at just over 50% are seen to actively listen to their people. Mm. I mean, if you're a leader and you don't know how your people are doing and how they're feeling, then as far as I'm concerned, you're not doing your job properly. Yeah. So they're, the, the, the probably the you know top line results that came out, and then you know people talked about what they do to manage their mental well being, you know what the the barriers are to improving their mental well being, and things like that. So really, it was a really interesting piece of work. Where do we start with changing the culture in organisations around this? Having conversations around normalising the top of mental topic of mental well being is important. So as I said earlier, I interviewed leaders around what they were doing, and. The case studies are also contained in the report um, and we've published them on our website as well. But it was really, when as I was talking to these organisations, Tina, I noticed a pattern starting to emerge and it was really clear that those organisations that get it right, and, and no organisation's perfect, but those organisations that are seeing results and ultimately managing people's well-being, whether that's, you know, mental or otherwise, makes good business sense, okay? It ultimately affects the bottom line, mm. okay? And the the, the organisations have three things in common. 
The first was they're actively trying to create a working culture, an environment that normalizes the topic of mental well-being. So creating a psychologically safe environment where people feel respected, where they feel accepted and comfortable to be themselves. So that means talking about mental well-being. Now, at the end of the day, mental well-being is a private experience. So you not everybody is going to be comfortable talking about that. Now, study found that around 20% of people don't want to talk about to anyone about their mental well-being, and that's okay. But if I can give you an example, one of the organisations I spoke with, Oricon, they start, now they've been working on mental well-being initiatives for years, even prior to the pandemic, and they've won awards for the way they deal with it. But what they do at the start of every meeting, they start with a health, safety or well-being moment or story, okay? So somebody will share something that's happened to them, either Something that's happened to work at work, like a near miss at work, for example. They might talk about personal issues like loss in the family, suicide. They and, and so they start every single meeting with some sort of health, safety, or well-being share. And that starts at the top. Their CEO does the same. Uh, they have quarterly, I think they call them CEO on the couch sessions. Um, it's like a town hall. And they share this content right across the organization and they publish that on the internet for everybody to read. They're, those stories are really, really popular, but they're normalizing the top of, topic of mental well-being. The second thing that these organizations do is they prioritize listening. And they do that a number of ways, both formally and informally. They'll have regular uh, one-on-ones. They'll do regular check-ins, uh, catch-ups, surveys and polls. So they measure how well they're listening. And I also spoke with uh, the Director of Communications at the Office of Rail and Road in the UK, and he mentioned that his that leaders in his organisation have around five to ten direct reports each, and the organisation expects them to check in with their people at least once a week, and it's a performance issue for them. If they're not doing that, they're not doing their job effectively. That's great to hear. Yeah, that's powerful. Very, very powerful. So it becomes a performance issue. So people are held accountable for caring for their people. And the third thing they do, Tina, is they have leaders who role model the behaviours they want to see that support a psychologically safe environment. So another organisation I spoke with um, is CRM platform HubSpot. They're a global company. They have people all over the world who are working in you know remote, remotely in a hybrid way and in the office. And what they told me they do, which I absolutely love, was my favourite initiative that I heard um, about. They practice leaders leading loudly, which I think is amazing. So what they do is they encourage their leaders to announce when they're leaving early Mm -hmm. and why. So they'll actually say it out loud. Um, And so they'll get up and say, well, tomorrow's Friday. I'm actually going to come in late tomorrow because I'm going for a haircut in the morning. Or I'm, I'm having Monday off to recharge and have an extra long weekend. Or uh, I'm going to have an extended lunch break because I want to go for a really long walk. And the person I spoke to who was the brand and PR manager at the time, Mia, she mentioned that she had come from a more traditional workplace and it took her some time to get used to that. But once she did, it was so empowering. And that sort of has a, a ripple effect throughout the organisation because, you know, as you know, leaders set the expectation around behaviour mm. and employees will, will follow suit. So if a leader is doing something like this, it gives the employee permission to do the same. And so those behaviours start to ripple throughout the entire organisation. So they're the three things that really became apparent uh, around 
making a start and, and creating a type of culture in your organisation that that supports people's mental well-being uh, and helps them in the right way. That is, um, it's really actually interesting. It's triggering things inside me around my own remote work. I'm, I'm thinking of the pressure that I put on myself around presenteeism when I'm like working for my organisation in a different country and also productivity paranoia. And even like if I'm taking a moment off, I, I would email my CEO to say, right, I'm doing this. And then I'd justify that moment. And he had to come back to me and say, look, Tina, I actually really trust you. And that was such a new experience to me because I was so used to the old model of work. So what I realised yeah. is a lot of the changes that needed to happen internally with me um, were personal and not linked to the organisation, but that I needed some structure within the organisation to let me do that journey. So I'm re- yeah, really interested in what you're talking about here. Yeah, so it was, it was, a, it was a, great, um, a great little study. And, you know, when we asked people what helps with your mental well-being it was exactly that it was around structure and and it just reminded me of something else i spoke with uh, another organization here in australia a health service the largest private health service in, in the country uh, i spoke to their chief communication officer at the time she's left the organization now but she was saying around structure she being a health service you can just imagine you know the issues around covid you know, exacerbated workloads and, and being a communication team in a hospital or in a hospital setting. Um, they're not clinicians, obviously, but they had to deal with another level, the, the types of issues that a, another organisation didn't have to deal with. Um, but she was saying that her one thing she did for her team was implement a roster. Now, prior to COVID, they didn't actually need a roster, but during COVID, they implemented a roster because it gave the team structure. And what was happening in the beginning of COVID was people would go to work and they would obviously, you know, not go to work, they'd work remotely. And then they'd take a day off, for example. And while they were on a day off, something else happened and they'd get called back in. And so it was never really a day off. And because people said that structure helps, what they did was implement this roster. So when you were having a day off, you had you knew you had a day off nobody could nobody would call you there was enough you know there were enough people on that day to deal with any um you know issues that arose but people knew that that was my time off nobody was going to call me while I, while I had time off everybody knew who else was on and so it just gave that gave the team a bit more reassurance and made them feel um a lot better around taking time off you know from the organization that is important, and that's reminding me, is it France that recently passed legislation that it's illegal for your work to contact you outside of work hours? Uh, I thought that that was quite innovative. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But, look, there's a lot of things that organisations can do to help their people, but you know what, Tina, it all starts with listening. Mm. You can have all the great ideas under the sun, but if they're not appropriate for your workplace, if they if they're not what people are actually you know appreciate when when it comes to to mental well being, and at the end of the day, as my research indicates, and you know conversations with with organisations um, has has shown, it's all about listening. Ask people what what support they expect or want from their organisation. Ask people how they're feeling. Some you know that can go a long way in just creating that that psychologically safe space creating trust and having better team dynamics. Mm. And I guess the key in that is learning how to listen to understand, not just to respond. Yeah. 
And that can be quite a, a key learning for many of us when we begin this communication journey. Absolutely. And, and that is another one of my favourite quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got them in my back pocket. <laughs> I am a sucker for a good quote. I really am. Um, but absolutely, because, you know, what is what, what are people actually saying? And, you know, increasing those skills and, and working continuously on your listening skills, particularly if you are a leader, is critically important. Very. Now, it's never enough time, and I'm really excited that I'm going to get to talk to you again in the future around all things communication and ESG related. But with regards to this research report on, on wellbeing in the workplace, how can people get hold of that? And more importantly, how can they get hold of you? Okay, so in terms of the research study, uh, that's available at www.sohowdoyoureallyfeel.com. And it's, again, as I said, it's free to download. So have a look through that report, some great insights there, some great tips too for leaders. So one of the things I asked every leader I spoke to was, so give me your, you know, top tips for for dealing with, with mental wellbeing issues in the workplace, for supporting your people. So really, really interesting. So you can grab that report off the website. In terms of uh, getting in touch with me, I am on LinkedIn, of course. I love to connect with uh, with professionals on LinkedIn. So see a Papa Giorgio. Uh, I'm, I'm based in Melbourne, Australia. And they can also email me at um, Sia, that's S for sugar, I-A. My friends always laugh, laugh <laughs> when I spell out my name, but I have to um, because the, the, the S sounds like an F for Fred. Um, <laughs> anyway, Sia at the C-S-C-E dot com is my email address. And that's also available on LinkedIn if people want to look me up. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time this morning. And uh, Christchurch, I really invite you to go and look uh, at these resources that are available. And also uh, for everybody else who's listening globally, I highly recommend uh, digging deep this year into this topic because mental health and well-being crosses all barriers and boundaries. And together we can truly make a difference. Kia kaha, Christchurch. Christchurch.